it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 698 for September 4th, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchot's back with Programming by Stealth, installment 124. Hi, Bart. Hello, hello, hello. Well, this has uh, uh, been another show I've been looking forward to. Um, I, I sent Bart a great clip from the Accidental Tech podcast where they talked about, actually, John Syracuse was talking about programming, and he says, you can tell when somebody, when programming has its claws into someone. <laughs> Good description and already. I thought that, oh, it was perfect. And he just said, and you get to that point where you just don't want to do anything else, and you just you just spend all your time working and thinking about the project you're trying to do, and, uh, and I certainly know that. I've started a new project, and I'm super excited about it. I love watching you when you get when you get the bug because it is it's like a bug, and I've been there myself. Right, you're wandering around doing something completely different, and you're scrambling for a post-it note to write the two-word mnemonic to yourself that's going to remind you what function it is you think you need to write when you get down to the code again. Or I certainly do. And that. and all roads are leading you back to when can I be done doing this because I want to go do that. Yeah. Well, my problem, yeah, because my ideas come quicker than I can make them real, and so I end up with these giant big lists of things I should be doing in my program, and uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, it totally happens. That, that's how I try to sprinkle them through a bunch of different applications. I've got some in Keepin and some in Joplin now and a couple in Apple Notes, and I've got some in uh, Ulysses so that I can't ever find what I'm supposed to be doing next. Excellent. Maybe some in Reminders. Excellent. I, I approve, fun. although I, I, I stick with paper that's everywhere, and that becomes ever more illegible as this as time. <laughs> my handwriting doesn't get worse, but my ability to, to be triggered by it does. It's like, oh, scribble. I like, hmm. I like. I like the fact that both of our methods become infinitely unsearchable because I'm putting it in so many places I can't find it. And you've got an unposted note sprinkled around. Yeah. Anywho. All right. Well, what are we going to do this week? We are going to dive very deep into Shamewa templates. Um, my initial intention had been to be a little bit hand wavy and sort of say, this is kind of all you need to know. And then move straight on to running Shamewa across multiple machines. And as I was writing the show notes, it became increasingly clear to me that the only way for this not to seem evil is to actually explain what's really happening. Because then it's not evil, it's brilliant. But without actually explaining what's really happening, it would just be a collection of magic incantations. And that's not what programming by stealth is about. You're supposed to feel empowered, not frustrated. So Yeah, okay. So I I changed my mind halfway through writing the show notes. It's like, no, we will do the multiple machines next time. We are today going to become completely familiar with the absolute genius that is text slash template. It, I am so impressed with it. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I stand by ready to be amazed and delighted. Well, to me, it all comes down to a concept called pipelining that I wish Mustache would just steal. Just copy it wholesale. Just take it. <laughs> Add it to Mustache and then I'll be delighted. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So... I guess a sneak peek of what we need to understand are comments, conditionals, arguments and functions, a little bit more detail on arrays, variables and pipelines, which are going to tie it all together. There is an inst a zip file for this installment, but you're not going to need it for a while yet. But it does contain, basically it contains where we left off last time in our dot plan template. And it contains a final copy of our worked example from the end of today's installment. So a very quick recap to get us up to speed. 
So last time we learned that the data for your templates comes, you get some of it for free from Shema itself. You get, you, you can optionally add more to the data section of your Shema config file, and you can optionally create an entire dedicated Shema data file. And all that data gets merged together into one namespace, which is available to you, but via dot followed by the name of whatever it is you're looking for. So before you get too far in, can mm-hmm. you repeat why we care about templating? It allows us to make our files, it allows us to build our dot file from a template instead of hard coding it. And that can be useful for the point of view of if you have one piece of data that may change and is needed in multiple files, then if it's in a template, if you get it through templating, then you change it in the data. And then you just simply say, Shema apply. And the change goes to all of your dot files that are template based. So, for example, a new email address or maybe a new website domain or something that you might use in multiple dot files. You could then have it just go to all of them at once. And then this is very obviously the foundation for having Shamewa across multiple machines where your dot files will be 90% the same. But what makes Shamewa useful is that it can also handle the 10%. And templating hmm. is very much okay. key to that vital 10% where things are a little bit different. They're almost the same, but they're a little bit different. And that's where your templates come in. Like your mail merge. The letters are a little bit different to each other, but mostly the same. <laughs> okay, okay. So we learned that because Shema is written in the programming language Go, it uses Go's text slash template templating engine. So that's the syntax we're using, um, which means that if we ever move on to learn to program in Go, we already know it's templating engine. Don't know anything else about Go, but we know it's templates. <laughs> <laughs> so, like starting in the middle with like a vegetable, but not not having the uh, the uh, appetizer or dessert on either side. Yep, yep. But I guess it's something, okay. right? Okay. If someone says, okay. "Do you know any Go?" the answer is yes, just not the bit you're expecting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then we did some quick examples where we used uh, the text slash template syntax for inserting some data. So that was just curly, curly, a period followed by the name of the piece of data we want, and then two closing curlies, which is very reminiscent of Mustache. We learned about the range operator for looping over an array. And we also learned how to use range to loop over an object so that we could print out its keys and its values. And that was that was it, really. We So we didn't really do a huge amount of the templating power. So it's now time to do Shema templates without the training wheels, is how I put it in the show notes. So I need to sort of backfill a little bit of jargon. So the thing that goes inside those curlies, right? The, okay. the name for that is an action. So you have mo- so you have a range action. You have a an action for just printing out a data field. So that's what we call the pieces of data. They're data fields. So you have an action. So, so wait a minute. So like your email address would be called a range? No, a range is how you would loop over an array of things. Like when I had languages which contain multiple values, I used a range to loop over all of them. Whereas to So the range is the action of going through them. Yes. And the action to not, print... not them themselves. Yes, yes. So okay. the, the, right, the thing you type into the file is called an action. So open cur- opens everything that goes between the opening and the closing mustache is called the action. So if you're reading the documentation and it talks about a range action, it means that 
it's a range that's going so they're not okay in html we have tags in text as template we have actions okay so a tag is open angle bracket some stuff close angle bracket an action is curly curly some stuff close curly curly okay so i i thought i said like if it's your email address that or it's if it's dot dot email that's the that's the action Yes, that would be a range? very simple action. That's an action. That, yes, that is a very simple action. That is an action to print a value, but it is an action. Okay. Okay. And then if it, but if it had uh, 10 languages there to loop through, that would be a range. Yeah, because it would be open curly's range. So the range action is how you would loop over. Got yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm caught up. Okay. Yeah, so it's, you know, jargon. Takes some getting used to. <laughs> um, so really, so far, we've only seen two two types of action. We've seen the dot notation for printing out a, a, a data field, and we've seen the range action for for doing our looping, be that over an object or an array. So the next kind of action is very straightforward to learn, but it's actually strangely powerful. The comment action. And the reason that you want this is because there are text files in which you there is no possibility to put a comment like JSON files. It is one of the worst things about the JSON syntax is they didn't think of including comments. And I am forever oh. wanting to put comments into my JSON. Well, if you make it a template, yeah. now you can. Okay, not we can't do that with any old JSON file. Correct, because it's but not the in JSON the JSON. files for Shamewat templates, we can. Correct, because the comment is in the oh. template, but when you render the template, the comment is not in the final output. So we get okay. to see it while we're programming. Yeah but the file gets to be free of our comment. And the syntax is very C-like. Um, it's basically the inside our curly brackets, it's slash star, our comment, star slash, which is a C-style comment. And it is compatible okay. with the little minus signs that uh, text slash template uses for collapsing white space. So if you want to have a comment and not have it introduce white space into your JSON file, just stick a little minus sign on each side of your um, curly brackets. You only have one minus sign in the show notes. I do, because that way the comment doesn't collapse. It depends on how much white space you want to collapse. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So do it until you get what you want. I got it. Yes, exactly, because depending okay. on the situation, you'll want different things. I've seen that comment syntax before. Isn't that one of the ways you can comment in uh, HTML? Uh, CSS, I think. Oh, it's in CSS. Okay, that's where I've seen it. Yes, gotcha. and it is okay. originally the C-style comment. So that's how you'll usually see it. Okay, well, that doesn't help me at all. No, but it will. It's <laughs> like telling me it was in ancient Greek. <laughs> right, but you will see it mentioned as C-style all over the place. Sure, okay. All right, and for other people, it might be quite relevant. Yes. So it's the next kind of action part, actually does not something. Not the audience. Yeah. The, the next <laughs> kind of action actually does something. It's conditionals, right? I mean, if you think about programming, after you make some variables where you can play around with some data, the next thing you learn to do is if and else, right? Your conditionals is mm -hmm. very fundamental to programming. And it's also very fundamental to templating because really, if one thing is true, I want you to include this piece of text in my output. And if another thing is true, I want you to include that piece of text. That is very fundamental to templating. Okay. So the syntax uses... Three, well, actually, depending on how you count four actions, there's the if action, the else if action, and the, sorry, the else action and the end action. 
And you can combine those together in multiple ways to give you different things. So the most straightforward scenario is some optional content. You either want something or nothing, right? That's optional content. So you can say, if a condition that we will examine in much more detail shortly, but if if eq.shamewa.os Darwin, means if Shamewa's operating system is Darwin, then everything until you meet the end action gets included in the output. And if Shamewa... Oh, that's pretty simple. Yeah, exactly. And if Shamewa.os is not Darwin, nothing goes into the output. So it is conditional content. Nice and straightforward. The other... So you do if... And then the then what you want to happen under if and then an end or if you're going to have an else you do if and then you do else and then an end. Bing bing bing. So that's our second scenario. That's pretty easy. We have two alternative pieces of text, and then our third scenario puts it all together where you can have one condition, another condition, and then a final catch-all. So you can say if condition some text, else if another condition some text, else oh, okay. some default actions end. Okay. So that that looks quite reasonable. It is very reasonable. It is it is very sensible syntax. If, else, <laughs> else if, and end. You know, there we go. So really nothing earth-shattering there. But uh, that EQ stuff needs a little bit more digging around. What is going on there? Well, what's going on there is actually EQ is a function. Believe it or not. Oh. And yeah. Shemwa and Darwin are arguments. So the next thing we need to look at is functions and arguments. So in the text slash template jargon, they have a an original definition of the word argument. They use argument when they mean value. So anywhere a value can go, they say that's an argument. Well, that word that's not too bad. It it is, except except for the fact that we're used to arguments being things that go to functions. They'll call a value an argument even if there isn't a function in sight. <laughs> Which I find just like, poof, but yeah, what do, what do you do? <laughs> okay. So arguments can be one of three things. They can be a literal value like the string boogers or the number 42 or the decimal number 3.14 or the Boolean values true or false. So they are your most basic arguments. Your arguments can also be the name of a variable prefixed with the dollar symbol, and we have not yet met variables, but they will become our friends later in this installment. And then the last thing, we can have a data field, which you will recognize because it starts with a dot as a prefix. So .shamod.os is the data field OS inside the data, sorry, the the value in the key OS inside the object shamod. You're going to get very okay. pernickety about it, but yes, the, the, basically they're prefixed with a dot if they're if they're data fields. So a literal value, a variable name prefixed with a dollar, or a data field prefixed with a dot. And then functions are named actions that take zero or more arguments and produce an output, and the output can then go out to into your template. Functions are named actions that take zero or more arguments and produce one output. Okay. Yeah, which is like we're used to them in JavaScript, right? Yeah. But in... Uh, so one output makes me tilt my head a little bit. Well, same in JavaScript. You only get one return statement. There's no way to have multiple things come out of a function? You can pass one array out. 
Or one object yeah. out. Okay. Right, 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 right. Okay. That's where I was kind of going. I was going, oh, he's going to count that as one. Yeah, it's, no, it is one. I mean, that is actually what has passed. It is one pointer to memory comes out of a function. It's a black box. N amount of things go in, and a pointer comes out the far end, and that pointer can be to nothing or to one something. But that is all that can happen with a JavaScript function. And it is the same with a function here inside text slash template. So we call the function by using its name, but no prefix of any kind. So no dollar sign and no period. We just say the name. So EQ being our example. And then mm -hmm. the arguments come after the name and they are not separated with brackets. There are no commas. They are just, they come after the name and they are separated by the space character, very much like on the command line, right? If you're on the terminal, it's name of program, space, argument one, space argument two well here it's name of function space argument one space argument two so okay. as a javascript programmer you would see some function open bracket an argument comma another argument close bracket well here it would be open your curlies some function space an arg space another arg so you see, see how those two map to each other yeah yeah that seems it is straightforward. It's just okay. a different I can syntax. Live with it. Yeah. I think it's it's good for me to start learning different ways of doing the exact same thing. Good, because that's what you're going to need I've, as we move to PHP and stuff, because the concepts exactly, are the same, I'm terrified right? Of and that. if statements and you know, there is the concept of if, but it won't be the same. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I but mean that's why you've been teaching us to program, not just teaching us languages. Ding ding ding. Gold star for the student. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teacher's pet today. Yeah, and you didn't even bring me an apple, but you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> so out of the box, text slash template gives us some pre-made functions. And the first ones I want to tell you about are the ones for making comparisons because they are the ones we need to make our if statements go. And they are EQ, which stands for is equal, which is equivalent to our double equals in JavaScript. There is any... So it becomes equal to... To make Jill happy? No, 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 no. Is equal to, not becomes equal to. That's a single equal. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, mm -hmm. sorry, sorry. Okay, no, I misunderstood. Great, okay. Yeah, I mean, these are functions for check. These are comparison functions. Checking. Right? For that's right, testing. that's right. So EQ checks for equality. NE checks for not equality or not equal. So Or is not equal. So equivalent, uh, equivalent, equivalent to <laughs> exclamation equals. Goodness me, can't speak. LT is less than, which is our little less than sign mm -hmm. in JavaScript. LE is less than or equal to, so less than equals. GT is greater than, and GE is greater than or equal to. So nothing earth-shattering, but we're used to seeing them as symbols in JavaScript. We have to remember them as two-letter combinations here in text slash template land. But, you know, straightforward enough. And then... Yeah, pretty nice and readable. Yes, actually. Are, well, is EQ less cryptic than equals equals? It's different cryptic. <laughs> well, I don't know. I see it and I see the word equal. Okay, well, then it works for you. Uh, the Boolean yeah. operators work for everyone because they are the, the, the function for inverting in something is NOT, not. The function okay. for checking if all the arguments have the same value is AND. And the function mm -hmm. for checking if at least one argument is true is OR. Yeah, I might be able to keep up with that. Yeah, so we have not and an or. So we can we can use the output of one function as an argument 
to another function. In other words, we can nest our function calls. And that is how we can do complex Boolean logic. Like if one thing equals another thing and another thing equals another thing, well, we need an and and two equals us. So that's three function calls. We have to group them with parentheses around the entire function call. So That sounds good. Pre- yeah. Now, this is where you are either going, you're, you, I don't know if you're an advantage or a disadvantage. So it's name a function followed by the arguments. So mm-hmm. that means it's eq space one value space another value. And the and function is not something and something. It's and something space something. Which you may recognize as prefix notation, which is called Polish notation, which is the opposite of your friend reverse Polish notation, which would be the two things followed by EQ on the end. So this is the uh, the function controlled by, by the way, uh, a calculator should be made as she pulls out her HP reverse Polish notation calculator. So it's backwards of that. It's backwards of RPN. It's just PN. It's just Polish notation. I guarantee I'll get that backwards and then look at it and go, oh, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, um, there's quite a few programming languages that are actually in Polish notation. Um, so I've sort of gotten used to it over the years. Uh, but then this is another yeah. example of a programming language using Polish notation. So It's not anything weirder than what I've seen before. So that's good. Yeah. So if we want to say, if we want to say if, it doesn't speak very well. But anyway, <laughs> if we want a condition where the user is both on a Mac and their version of Shamewall is built by Homebrew, then we could say if open a round bracket and space, and then the first argument, we want the result of an equals comparison. So we open another round bracket to group inside it eq space dot OS space Darwin. And then we close that round bracket. So together that's going to collapse into true or false, right? Because shamewall.os is okay. either Darwin or it's not. Space, mm-hmm. and then we have another, again, inside brackets, we have eq.chainwa.version.builtby space homebrew. So that, again, is going to collapse to a Boolean. So at the end result is an and one Boolean space another Boolean, which is either going to co- which is then going to collapse to true or false. So the if statement is going to get a true or a false at the end of all of this. And if both conditions were true, then it's going to print out, you're, on, you're one of the smart Max users. You use homebrew, smiley face. <laughs> So our OS is Darwin. That's that's a way to look at it. Yeah, which a lot of people, most people don't need to know that the Unix, Apple's Apple's port of FreeBSD, not FreeBSD, BSD without the free, plain old BSD, they called Darwin, which resulted in all sorts of conspiracy theories. When I first, my first Mac was an eMac, which was E for education, but it ran Darwin and the internet was full of conspiracies. There was E for evolution. <laughs> and they're infesting the minds of our students and yada 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 and I just I just laughed because it was a really nice computer and I liked it a lot. Anyway. <laughs> so out of the box, text slash template provides extremely few functions. So Shema does not leave us hanging. Shema includes an open source collection of functions, especially written for the purpose of being useful for templating in Go which means it's useful for templating for us. So this open source library is called Sprig, and there's a link in the show notes to the Sprig documentation. 
And the documentation is actually good. So rather than duplicating it, because there's over 70 functions in there, I'm not wasting my time copying out 70 functions. What I will say is if you go to the page for Sprig, you'll see that they're grouped by, um, they're grouped into collections of related things. So string functions, and then it lists a few followed by ETC. So if you then click on string functions, you get the actual full list. So you have trim, trim all, trim suffix, trim prefix, upper, lower, title, untitled, repeat, substring, no space, trunk, abrev, abrev both, initials, lots of cool stuff, right? Lots of cool Hmm. string functions. So do we do need to do anything to make Sprig like be a plugin to Shema or is it just there? Shema gives it to us for free. It is basically oh. so Shema is Shema is written in Go and Shema is doing the templating for us. So Shema is sitting between us and pure Go. And Shema okay. is providing us an environment that has Sprig preloaded. So we don't have to worry about it. As far as we're concerned, those functions are all standard. We just get we to us as Shema users. They are out of the box at our disposal. And there are okay. lots of them. Like I spent so much time. I actually found it hard to do examples because I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> there are too many cool things here. I don't know what to pick. But I did eventually find some what I think are fun examples. I'm hoping you agree. So one of the one of the things that Sprig gives us that's really good for next installment, when we start to deal with that 10% difference is defining default values, right? Because what we're going to want to do is we're going to want to have in a config file somewhere, some config becomes equal to some value. And nine times out of 10, that value might be 42. But on one specific machine, when one specific thing is true, we want the value to be 68 or whatever. So with we can use the default function to handle that kind of thing. So the default function takes two arguments. Um, So it allows you to specify a default value, which is what it'll use if the second value is empty. So you would say default space, your default value space, and then you'd put the name of a data field or something like that. So you might say default slash, you know, slash text slash bin space dot shamewa.editor. And then you would either, if dot shamewa.editor was empty, the default value was used. Otherwise, shamewa.editor is used. Hmm. It saves okay. you an if statement. It saves you saying if yeah. if the field exists, do this, else do that. You can just say default, what you want, the other thing. Oh, okay, okay. You're talking about defining that default value right now. Okay, so you, you're trying to write a template that will either have the value of a variable or a data field or some default value. So you could write that across four lines by saying if something exists... Then you put in something, so open mustache dot whatever. Open more curlies else on another line, the other one, end. Or you could say open your curlies default space the default value space the variable name. Close your curlies. Okay, okay. So it's, okay. it's like one Got line it. instead of five. Okay. It, it's very. It, it's a wonderful convenience. Wonderful convenience. <laughs> okay. So the example here is export current working deer default tilde documents dot current working deer. So basically what I will what I what I do, this is this is not a hypothetical example, this is this is an actual example. So I have a whole bunch of things 
that aliases and stuff that assume the existence of an, an environment variable in ZSH called current working deer. Current work deer, sorry. Okay. Which is basically my okay. temporary folder where I just dump stuff. Right. So if I'm running, like when you were doing some scripting to, to to maybe merge two audio files together and you want to dump it somewhere. So I just use dollar sure. current work there for that and it just dumps it there. Um, okay. And nine times out of 10, I just use my documents folder. But on some Macs, I have to use a different folder. So I make a setting in my ShameWalk config file called current work deer. So if there is a current work deer, I need to use it. Otherwise, use my documents folder. And all of that logic is captured with the three words default space till the document space dot current work deer. So if there is a current... Oh, it, it crossed over two lines. And so it, I didn't catch that. I thought that was all one directory, but I see what you're saying. It's going to be documents or it's going to be dot current work deer. If it's not which empty. Is, which I've defined so in how the does data it, section. Are you answering my question before I ask it? Dot, dot current work deer? Is is something that you is confusing because you're using the same names again for the same thing or for two different things. So all capital letters, current underscore work underscore dear is where where we're gonna. That's what we're defining, and mm-hmm. the default is slash documents mm-hmm. uh, till the slash documents. But if not that, then it's dot current work dear, which is all one word. Mm-hmm. That's different than current underscore work underscore dear. Right. So even though you called it the same thing. So how does it know what that current work deer is, the one without the space, the dashes? Okay. So in my in my Shamewell config file, in the data section, I will define current work deer if I want one. So on the config As, file on one Mac, it will have a value. And in the config file on another Mac, it will not. Okay. Okay. Therefore, when this template runs, it will always do something sensible. So I can use the same template on all machines. And in some of them, it will pick up a value from the config file. And wherever there isn't a value in the config file, it will use documents. Okay, got it. Yeah. It's a very common thing to want to do is to have a default and to have something that you might consider editing. There's an even more powerful version of this called Coalesce. Which doesn't oh, just that's have... a fancy word. It's a very fancy word, and I can't spell it because I had to copy and paste it because it kept on saying template error. What do you mean template error? I want to coalesce. I was like, oh, there's an S there. Huh, who knew? Not me. Um, it takes an arbitrary number of arguments. It could be it could, at least two for it to make any sense. But basically, it can take infinity arguments, and it will keep trying the next one until it finds something that's not empty. So if there's three different places a value could come from, you just list them in the order you want them. So my first preference would be here, my second preference would be there, and I'll settle for whatever. And it will go through them in order, and as soon as it finds a value, it'll take it, or it'll keep going. So in this case, we can combine that with the other fantastic helper function from Sprig called env, which reads the bash or ZSH environment variables. So we can basically say, Read the environment variable visual. If you don't find anything there, move on to the environment variable editor. And if you don't find anything there, use user bin nano. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. By the way, I looked up coalesce. It means to come together to form one mass or whole. Yeah. The puddles I would... had coalesced into shallow streams. 
Eh, I would not really I what think, it means. I think of it in terms of like star formation and nebula coalesces into a star. But yeah, it, anyway, that is what <laughs> the writers of Sprig chose to write it. So there we go. Uh, and again, notice that we're using brackets to group together our calls to the env function. So anyway, yeah. The other thing I want to do is revisit arrays. So up until now, the only thing we have been able to do with an array is loop over it with a range action, which was great. And that is something you will want to do very often. If you have a list of things, you want to go through the list of things. But maybe you just want one thing. Maybe you just want the first thing or the last thing or the thing in position four. Like, How do we actually reach into an array and get the one we want? Believe it or not, I didn't tell you last week, and I didn't tell you last week for a really good reason. You need to know about functions to be able to reach into an array in text-slash-template. The function oh. is called index, and it takes one. Ar- it takes two arguments. It takes... Um, the first argument is the array of the index numbered from zero, and then you tell it, where it should, which array it should come from. So index... That seems obvious. Right, well, it could have been the other way around, but it isn't for reasons that will become clear later. And then the second—I don't know what you mean by the other way around. As in, it could be first you say the array and then you say the number, but it isn't. It's index space zero space the array. Oh, I didn't catch that you had just said that. Okay, you say index space then the position. Yeah, and I think I did. I, I think I just said it backwards. I think I just said it backwards because looking at my own worked example. It's index, what you want to index, and then where you want to go. So, yeah, sorry. I said it backwards. So it's, so say, say I, I can't tell which we've said now. <laughs> what is the order of these words? So the name of the function is index. The first argument mm-hmm. is the array that you want to reach into. And the second argument okay. is where in the array you'd like to go. Okay. All right. So the second thing... The second function that we need to know about is the function to know how long an array is. And that is len, which is short for length. So len space the array. And that will tell us how long it is. And then the last thing, which is really cool when we put all these pieces together, is that sprig gives us a function called randint, which lets us make a random Mm. integer between a lower value, which is inclusive, and an upper value, which is exclusive, which happens to be perfect because an array goes from 0 to 3 if it's of length 4. So having that last one be exclusive means we don't have to worry about subtracting 1. Say that whole sentence again. Okay. What about, you said upper and lower case? No, upper so and lower bounds on the random number. Bounds. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're saying if it's if it's 0, 1, 2, or 0, 1, 2, 3... Then the array is of length the four. The length is four. Yeah, which means the fact that it's exclusive on the upper bound is really convenient. What's a exclusive on the upper bound? Okay, the random int function generates a random integer between an inclusive lower bound and an exclusive upper bound. So it would only do zero, one, two? If you tell it, it to give a random three? integer zero, comma, four, it will go zero, one, two, or three. Which are exactly Why is that good? Because what That's okay, terrible. you have an array of length four. What are the four parts called? Indexes. Right. And the first index is Indices. 
Zero. The second one is? One, two. And the last and one is? Three. So if I say rand int oh, zero okay. length of array, I get exactly what I want. What does the zero mean? That means the lower bound? Yes. So the first argument is the lowest possible random number. And the second argument is the highest possible random number, but it's exclusive. So you'll never get it. So if you say rand int zero, len, the name of your array, you will get a random index. Okay. You're okay, combining that is, two okay, things. Sorry, when, I, did, I, I, when when I never saw index by itself, so you've got in, you've got random integer and the length and index all in one line, and I don't know what any one of those looks like by themselves yet. So that's why it's a little harder. It, it's not built up one by one. That is a good point. Um, I was just, just yeah. No, I was. I, it's that cooler. Is, that is a good point. <laughs> um, I can rewrite some show notes after the fact if I get some time after security bits. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. But yes. Now, yeah, keep going. The, but the, the cool thing I wanted to get to is that you can put all of these wonderful little pieces together to get a random thing out of an array. So you can just say index space, the name of the array space. Then you call randint zero on the length of the languages or the length of the name of the array, and you will get a random element in the array, which is really cool. That is cool. Do you find yourself wanting random pieces of information ever? Um. Well... Often, actually, yeah. well, no, maybe not often. Well, no, I do. I do in this case, because I like cool. Things. I mean, like, I wanted to give me a random answer to from this array of information when I'm building my dot files. I do for my plan because I always, I even back in the days when I when I was a student using my my finger profile for real, I always wanted a cool quote at the end, and I could never decide which one. So I'd have loads of them, and I'd randomize between them. Okay, so that was actually a real world example. <laughs> It's one of those where I wasn't being arbitrary. Um, I, I would, I was, yeah, I quite like having big collections of cool things and then just picking one at random. Okay. Anyway, so the point being, we can use the len function to get the length of an array, the index function to reach a specific bit of the array, and sprig gives us a very convenient randint function should we want to get a random integer to help us jump into an array at a random point. The next thing in our hit list is variables. So we can define and redefine a variable. Now, in text template, all variable names always begin with the dollar symbol. That is that is that is the law. If it does not begin with the dollar symbol, it is not a variable. If it is a variable, it begins with the dollar symbol. And you may as well get used to it because PHP puts exactly the same restriction on you. So just get used to that oh, one. Okay. So- so I've got to get over my jQuery thing. You have got to get over your jQuery thing because there is no, it's not dollar open parens, it's dollar straight into the name of the variable. So yeah, and uh, as I say, PHP does the same thing. And Perl half, Perl partly does the same thing, but let's not go there. So your variable will always be dollar followed by name. And because text template comes from Go, we have to use Go's syntax for assigning a value. And Go makes a distinction between creating a variable and giving a variable that already exists a new value. And JavaScript kind of does too, right? Because the first time we use a variable, we say var or const or let. We say, you know, one of those three keywords, space, the name of the variable, and then we give it a value. 
Well, there is no concept of a const or a var. Instead, we used a special symbol, colon equals, to make a variable hmm. come into existence. So, so colon equals is becomes equal to? No, it's create. Oh, create as. Oh, it's just saying it exists. No, no, it okay. says it's create with the value. So it's create with. Create, a, okay. Or create All as. Right. Create my variable as boogers. Okay. So you're giving it a value. It's, it's its first value, but it didn't exist on the line above. Okay. And it does exist on the line afterwards, and it has the value we've given it. So colon equals means make it exist and give it this value. So how do you give it a new value then? Just plain old equals. Oh, okay. It just becomes equal to. So becomes equal to. Exactly. I knew I was going to get that in here correctly. Yes, once. yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so the first time we say dollar variable name colon equals some value. And then later on, we say dollar variable name equals, which is becomes equal to some value. So you can, you can make, you can assign a variable pretty much anywhere in your template that you can have a, a value lying around. And you can also have an action that does nothing, that outputs nothing, that just makes a variable. So you can just like open your curlies, make a variable, close your curlies, and not actually inject anything into the output. But the variable exists, so then you can use the variable later in your template. So a practical example may, may make this a little bit clearer. So... I find it deeply inconvenient that I keep on having to say if eq.chmod.os Darwin, because when I read that code, I, I'm a huge believer that your code should read like English, because then you don't need as many comments, right? The code is effectively self-commenting. Now, I don't think if eq.chmod.os Darwin says, if this is a Mac, I don't see that line of code and immediately think, oh yeah, I'm checking if it's a Mac. So it would be nice if I could just capture the Macness of my device in a variable called isMac and then say if isMac. That would be much easier, right? Oh, okay. So we can capture it with an action that is just $isMac colon equals eq.chmod.os Darwin. So we're going to capture into $isMac the output of the eq function which is going to be true or false and then later on we can say if dollar is mac i wrote this on my mac end that is understandable code now right if is mac yeah okay i know what that means if eq shame darwin that's not clear so there is like an example it. of yeah. a variable being created and used so that's that's beautiful. I'm love. This is great. Good. Well, I'm not even. To, we're not even to pipelines yet, and I'm liking it. Well, pipelines is where the rubber really meets the road, and this thing just—it's like, yeah, no. Th this is where it really accelerates. So, pipelines provide a way of flowing data from one function to another. So then, instead of having all of these parentheses everywhere, like you found correctly, like you found very confusing in the random example. Instead of having all of these nested parentheses, we can flow the output of one function to the next very, very, very similarly to how we work on the terminal using the exact same symbol, the pipe symbol, that vertical line. And so what the vertical line does is it takes the output of whatever is to its left, 
and it passes that to the function on its right as the last argument. So it goes into whatever function is to its right as the last argument. Okay. So that's like piping. It's like piping on the terminal. And the terminal, right? So as an example, let us assume that there exists in our data file a piece of data, a data field called favorite quote. And it contains some big long quotation that's spread over multiple lines. And we want to print it out to the terminal. But terminals have a maximum width of 80 characters by default. That's the universally accepted default width of a terminal is 80 characters. And I'd like it indented by four and not to flow over the edge of my terminal. Okay. So the Sprig library provides us with three functions that make this possible. There's a replace function that takes a string to be replaced as its first argument, a replacement as its second argument, and the string to do the actual replacement on as the final argument. Now notice I'm stressing the final argument every time because that's where the pipe always goes. The pipe always puts stuff as the final argument. So the final argument will be the string we work on. The wrap function will reflow a piece of text The first argument is how many characters or columns wide you want the output to be. And the last argument is the text you want to reflow. And then lastly, there's an indent function whose first argument is how many spaces you want at the front of every line. And the last argument is the text you want indented. So hang on. When you go to wrap, if you have to tell it what you want to reflow, then... Aren't you doing the work of counting characters and finding the piece that has to reflow? No, no, you're saying, so you could, okay, so you're saying wrap space 80 space dot the Bible, and it would reflow the whole Bible if you had a variable that contained the whole Bible. Okay, okay, so to reflow means take this batch of of text and and do what I just told you to do in terms of the number of columns. Yeah, so you it's an arbitrary okay. long piece of text that will be reflowed to have no more than 80 characters on any line. Okay. So again, notice I'm stressing the final argument. Replace takes the string to work on as its final argument. Wrap takes the text to wrap as its final argument. And indent takes the text to indent as its final argument. So these are clearly written for the purpose of being pipelined. Because the pipe puts Hmm. the output of one as the final argument of the next one. The output of one is the final... Well, not really. If If the last thing I give you in wrap is the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Bible itself is not yet wrapped. So that's not the input to the next thing. Right, but the output of the previous thing was go find the Bible somewhere, and then the input is to wrap it, and then the output next time is going to be the wrapped Bible, which will then be the last argument to the next but, function. But which the last argument of wrap is the Bible. Right. So that means that the Bible is... So what... the last... If that's going to be the input to the next thing, it's not no, wrapped No, 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 yet. no, 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 no. The last argument gets processed by, you forgot that the the wrap step happens, it produces output that will then be the last argument to the next function. You mean the first argument? Oh, oh, will be the last argument to the next function. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were saying, oh. So it ripples through. Hopping over words. (laughs) Yeah, No, No, but it's always, right, but you omit, so when you're writing the pipeline, you just omit the last argument, because it's going to be your data. So you Maybe say, I need to see this. I, yeah, you're going to see, see it in a sec, right? Because so, it's getting too confusing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So 
let us see how evil this would be if there were no pipelining, right? This, this is always illustrative of why, you know, how is something better? Well, here's how it would have to be. So if we want to indent, wrap, and replace, well, we have to replace first to get the old new line characters out. Then we have to wrap the result of taking the new line characters out to 76 characters, and then we indent the result of wrapping to four. So the last action is to indent four. So it has to be the outside function call. So indent space okay. four space open parens. Then we want to wrap the output of the replace. So the wrap is next. So we wrap space 76 mm-hmm. space. And then we open our next parens. And then we say replace space slash n space space dot favorite quote. Close paren, close okay. paren. That literally reads Basically, backwards. you have to read it right to left. Yeah, it reads backwards, and it's all these nested parens. It is not human-friendly code, in my opinion. Like, if you see that in the, in the template, you're not immediately going to go, ooh, I see what that does. You're going to go, oh, my head hurts. Where's the documentation? <laughs> so with the power of pipelining, we say them in the order we want. Start with dot favorite quotes and pipe it into the replace function whose first argument is what to replace, whose second argument is what to replace it with, and we don't specify the last argument because it's going to be the output of the previous step, which is just the value of favorite quote. So immediately, favorite quote has all of its new line characters replaced with spaces. That then flows to a call to wrap, whose first argument is 76, and whose last argument we omit because it's the result of the replace. That then gets flowed into indent, whose first argument is 4, and whose last argument is the output of the previous step. So we start with our favorite quote, we replace the new line characters, we wrap it to 76, and we indent it by four. It reads, that is definitely easy to read. <laughs> exactly. And because the arguments are such that it's always the last thing is the value to work on, the value just throws forward, it ripples through. We start with the quote, we replace the new line characters, we wrap it, we indent it. Ripple, ripple, ripple. I, d- I just think that is magical. I, yeah, yeah, that definitely is is a lot easier to... Okay, so a lot easier to read. Yeah. So let's finish up with a worked example of a shinier dot plan file. So if you would like to, if you were working along with us last week, you don't have to get caught up. You already are caught up. If you are not yet caught up, you need to make sure that either in your Shamewa config file or in your Shamewa data file, you have the following data defined email, languages, name, organization, social media, and actually not sure we use the URL, but anyway, pop it in there because it was in my example. So stick it in. Um, And then you need to make an empty plan file, add it to Shamewa as a template, and then edit it. And then our starting point is where we left off last time, which is basically this template here from the show notes. But if you're playing along last time... I'm going to hope I'm I'm there because I don't remember where the... Uh, it's where the Shimod template file is off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were playing along last time. So if you... No, I know I was. Yeah. 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 So what we want to do then is we want to improve our existing one with a few more, you know, things to make it a bit nicer. And they're chosen for the purpose of giving examples of what we talked about today. So the first thing I'd like to do is add a little footer at the bottom that says what operating system the template was generated on, or the plan was generated on in this case. So what we're going to do is we're going to use if actions, well, if, else, if, and else actions, 
to make a variable named OS or $OS. And then we're going to use that variable in our little footer. So I'm also using a comment to say that I am capturing a human-friendly version of the OS. Then I default it by saying $OS colon equals some weird OS. So this is going to be my default value, right? I'm making the variable exist and giving it the value some weird OS. And then I have some okay. if statements to give it real values, right? So if eq shamewa.os Linux, then $OS becomes equal to, make Jill happy, some Linux distro. Else if eq shamewa.os Windows, $OS becomes equal to Windows. Else if eq shamewa.os Darwin, $OS becomes equal to macOS. End. So are we... Okay. Do you seem confused or... Uh... Yeah. Okay. It's 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 a lot all at once. Okay, but it's an if, else, else, if, else, if, else, if, uh, and then end. So if that was in JavaScript, it would be let OS... Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to keep up with what it is you're trying to... to not, not the syntax. The syntax actually isn't bad. I'm trying to keep up with what it is we're trying to do so the variable dollar os we defaulted to some weird os and then if shamewa says it's linux then we change the value to some linux distro or if shamewa says it's windows we def we, we set the value to windows or if shamewa says it's darwin we set the value to macOS. so hypothetically speaking someone could build shamewa on bsd or on a Raspberry Pi, or on goodness knows what else that I haven't captured here. So that's why we have an initial some weird OS, right? It, what, what's getting what's bothering me about that was I know we talked about doing defaults, but the word default was part of what you had to say, and that's not in here. This just says dollar OS uh, colon equals, which means it's its initial value. Right. So I am doing this. I, I am okay. I'm demonstrating variables in the if statement. So I've made a variable and I've used some if else statements to set out a value. I haven't, I haven't used the default function because I was trying to demo if statements and variables. Okay, but so it's it's not really a default. It's what it'll be. <laughs> well, it is a default. It is a default. It's what it'll be if none of the else's yeah. happen. Okay. Right? I mean, this is how we would have done it in JavaScript. We would have said, you know, let x equals 4 if some condition x becomes equal to 5, else if some other condition x becomes equal to 6, else if some other condition x becomes equal to 7. If none of those conditions are met, x stays where it was. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. The key point here is the first time we made the variable, it was colon equals. And then later on, it was just becomes equals, the plain old equal symbol. Right. Can I ask a dumb question? No such thing. I'm losing track of where this goes. Is this, this is not in the template file. This is in no, the... No, no, this is in the template. Absolutely. This is in your template. This is in our this dot... This is the template. We're, we're making the template for our dot plan file. So we went... Okay. And I forget why we're calling it dot plan. Because that is where a finger reach, gets the output it prints out. So last time we would have gone finger Allison and it would have printed out some information and then your plan. Okay. So that's what Did, we... I'm sorry for not remembering, but it was two weeks ago. It was dot plan just a name we made up or is that something official that finger looks at? 
it is something fing- it is a dot file used by finger oh okay all right just like dot git ignore it means nothing <laughs> it doesn't seem to have a a meaning the word plan uh, it's a free text area really <laughs> okay all right so it would have been used for microblogging back in the day when we were sharing unix servers okay all right uh da, 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 da. okay so we can now use our variable. So our variable exists now because we've created it. And then we can use it by sticking on the bottom of our template in, you know, generated on, open our mustache, as I'm going to call it, even though it isn't a mustache, dollar OS, close our, not a mustache. Open our action and close our action, if we're going to use the right jargon. Okay, uh, is there a reason it's in parentheses? Because I want, I want it at the bottom of my file in brackets. So everything that's not inside Curly's just goes straight into the plan, right? It's just a literal value. Like in a mail merge, if it isn't in a data field, it just goes straight into the output. What do parentheses mean then again? Here, and by the way, every time means, you say brackets, in my world, those are square. Uh, we went through this back 150 years ago when we okay. first started. If it's not so, uh, in, if it's not inside the curlies, it is just plain text. It is going to go verbatim into the output, like in a mail. Oh, merge, okay. If but it, if you put it in parentheses, then it is no, no. If you put it in the curlies, right? The curlies are what says I am now doing something with text slash template. So, like with Correct. mustache, if it isn't in a mustache, Correct. it just goes clean through. Correct. What are the parentheses for? N- they're, it's the Do symbol. They mean something, or are they parentheses? They're parentheses. They're they're oh. <laughs> they're text. <laughs> okay. They are themselves. Gotcha. They are. <laughs> they are they. That's like when you watch a, a movie and it says, uh, you know, Bob Marley playing Bob Marley. <laughs> yes. Okay. Or as himself, I think is what you see in credits. As himself. Life. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. This is a parenthesis as itself. <laughs> I wonder how many people were yelling into their devices. Allison, he means parentheses. <laughs> okay. So if we run our updated um, template through Shamewa, so like we did last time, Shamewa cat tilde slash dot plan, it now outputs all the stuff it outputted before. And at the last thing it outputs is generated on Mac OS. And I somehow managed to copy and paste that in twice into the show notes because that's how good I am. Uh, right. I'll, I'll, I only see it once. It says, I, oh, no, 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 no it's duplicated. It yeah. So I'll yep, take yep. half of it out and I'll, I, I'll I, do No, it. no, I'll, I got it because I got a bunch of other edits. Ah, okay. I'll leave it to you then. I got it. The All second right. version is correct because the second version has the spacing the oh. way I wanted it. The first version is an output from before I fixed the spacing. Okay. Good to know since I just did the opposite one. Okay. Get rid of that. Oh, but I keep the Shema Cat uh No, 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 I'm because I'm saying the output I now get, so it shouldn't have that in there. It just start hi there. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay? Okay. Real time. So the key thing to note is that the variable declaration we did at the top of our template doesn't show up in the output at all, right? All of that was before we had the hi there. But we don't see any of it because it's all inside the little mustaches. So all of that logic is just completely invisible in the output. And what we do okay, see... Okay, and that was the logic all about if it's this OS versus that OS or whatever. Yeah, because none of that made any output. It was just making variables. 
And the only time we actually see the result is at the very bottom when we have our little parentheses friend coming along saying generated on macOS. Okay, but hang on. Okay. Um, so you're saying this was generated on macOS, which means it went through that if-then-else statement that we created and it looked at, how did it know that .shamewa.os was Darwin? Because uh, if you say shamewa space data, you will see the value of shamewa.os and it will be Darwin on your Mac. Because anything that starts .shamewa is data that is created for you by shamewa. That is standard data. Oh, that's... A- so you're saying if I type dot shamois? No, no, shamois space data, OS? it will print out all of its data. Shamois space data. Okay. And you will see. Did we tell it that? We told it last week that we were Darwin? No, 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 no. Anything in the shamois Oh, that's right. Shamois knew that. Is okay. given to us for free and is calculated on our behalf by shamois. That's right. That's right. I remember the for free stuff. So if I, how could I get to just shamois.os? It's dot shamois.os. But you, okay, inside okay, the I template. I started to ask you if I could do that. In, no, it says not. No, no, but you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that on the level. command line. It's showing you the data. Inside your template, okay. it's most, it's open curly curly space dot shamois.os curly curly would give you Darwin. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how I would know that that even existed well, as something I could go ask my. Well, when you do, I, I would have to go out to the terminal. I'd have to go out to the terminal and type shamewa space data and see what all the things it knew. Yeah. Okay. Or okay. read the manual in the case of the the shamewa namespace. The shamewa okay. manual tells you what data exists, but shamewa data is by far the easiest way to see what data it knows about because it will just tell you here's everything yeah. I know. Okay. Like the old joke, what's the easiest way to get someone's password? Ask them. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. So the next thing we want to do is add the date into the footer. And this allows me to say that the sprig um, functions give us a whole bunch of really cool date functions like now and date formatting. And because it's written in the Go language, it uses the most moronic date formatting logic I have ever come across in my entire three decades of programming. The link is in the show notes to exactly how it works. They pick... I'm not even going to... The link is in the show notes to exactly how stupid the Go language is when it comes to date formatting. The bottom line is, I was able to read the formatting off the docs to know that the way I want to format the time is basically 1504 on Jan 2, 2006. And that will actually print out the actual time in our actual month, in our actual year, not what it's... Anyway. Anyway. What? You have to put in January 2nd, 2006 for it to correctly... It has to be 1504 in order for it to know what time it actually is now? Yeah. The way you tell it, I want the minutes here is 15. The way you tell it... Sorry, the way you tell it, I want the hours here in 24 hours is... 15. If you wanted ordinary minutes, it would be 3. Or if you wanted them 0 fix, it would be 0, 3. No, 0, 4. No, no, no. That's the minutes. The minutes are either 4 or 0, 4. The month is Jan, January, 1, or underscore 1. <laughs> and the year is either 06 or 2000. Why are you telling us this? <laughs> this is horrible. I, I, honest to goodness, in all of my years of programming, I have never shouted as loudly at anything as I shouted at the docs for the Go language going, you cannot possibly have written this language this badly. But they have. Wow. It's, it's in the docs. The official docs are linked in the show notes. 
The magic okay. incantations. There's a table of all the magic incantations, and I picked the rose from the table I wanted to give that date string. But the thing is, when you run now and you pipe it into the date function with that stupid format string, what you actually get is the actual time in 24-hour format, the, the letters O-N, the month as an abbreviation, the day of the month as a digit, and the year in four-digit format. So I think it's funny that you did it in, in American no, uh, order. I didn't do it in anyone's order because I did it at the English instead of a dash dash. No, but you did uh, month, day, right? But here, year. We, here we would do the same when we're writing the words. We would. It's only if we're in. The, oh, you do? Yeah, we say September fourth. September. We'd say September fourth, or fourth of September, depending on how fancy. Yeah, I thought you did for September twenty twenty one. Well, we do when we write okay. it in dashes, which is why I intentionally didn't go anywhere near any dashes because then it would be ambiguous, right? This is unambiguous. No okay. one can ever not know that I mean the fourth of September. Right. Right. And you can see I was working in the show notes at 1553, and I had intended to be on my bike at 1500. <laughs> so anyway, we got there in the end. So again, we use pipelining to pipe our output of the now function into the date function. And it gives us this plan was generated on macOS at blah, blah, blah. Okay, so next I'm going to play with arrays. So we have an array of Wait, all the languages. Can you remind me how... Sorry, can you remind me? So we just finished doing the template. We've got it. I can see what it's supposed to do. And I can see what it's supposed to look like when it exports out. How do I make it go again? Uh, like, to preview it is shema space cat space whatever the name of the file. So tilde slash dot plan is to, to give it a temporary look. And to, to deploy it for real is shema deploy. Sorry, shema apply. We'll push it out for reals. Okay. But I have to put this template file somewhere else so you, you said shema space cat okay so shema space, space edit will open the file shema space edit tilde slash dot plan will open the file for you to edit and then when you save it you can go shema space cat space tilde dot plan to see it okay okay you have to spell shema correctly hey, i find it helpful <sighs> Okay. Now I have it all in my uh, my template file, and I'm going to save that. And but you have to say shmod deploy to get it to actually go. Yeah, which you would do when you were finished and you were happy it was working. Okay. So yeah, I, I find it better to test before deploying. Some people will just deploy and deploy and deploy until it's not broken. Twitch throw. <laughs> So the next thing I want to do is demonstrate arrays a little bit. So at the moment it says I speak and then it lists languages. So I'd like to do three things. I'd like to add a count of how many languages I speak. I'd like to alphabetically sort my languages and I'd like to call out which one is my primary language, which is the first one in the array before I sort it. So okay. the len function will give us how many. So I can say, I speak curly curly len space dot languages, close the curlies, and then in English, language, and then is in brackets, because maybe I only speak one, or maybe I speak five, who knows, right? It's an array, it could be any length. So that's a good first approximation. But the Sprig library provides a fabulous function called plural, that takes, hmm. the first argument it takes is, um, 
the singular version of your piece of text. The second argument is the plural version. And the third argument is how many you actually have. So if you... How many actually have of what? Whatever it is you're pluralizing. So plural language space languages space four will give languages. Plural language space languages one will give language. In this case, we're using pipelining. So len.languages gets piped to plural language languages. If len is one, language will be output. If len is anything else, languages will be outputted. Oh, okay. I thought you said you put it after the, the two pl- the singular and plural versions. Correct. That was like 48 lines of code in uh, JavaScript, as I recall, or right. whatever yes, we did absolutely. it in last time. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Which is why really this sweet. pipelining is amazing. Because remember, there is a hidden third argument. It's the output of the first thing of the pipeline, which is the length. So the third argument is the output of length, right? So it's actually <sighs> taking three arguments, right? Singular, plural, how many? The pipelining is magic. We take the length, we pipe Yeah, it that, that part hurts me to think of it as the last argument, but yeah. it looks like the first argument to me. Yeah, well, anyway, Lend out languages. That's the first argument. Well, language is the first and argument. Then I'm gonna into, the and I'm going to pipe it into plural. Right, exactly. Right? So you take the length, and it, go, it does get piped into plural, but it lands at the end of plural. But I can't goes, see it, so I don't believe you. <laughs> Well, play around with plural. You can say plural language languages one, plural language languages three, and you'll see that one gives you language and the other one gives okay. you languages. Okay. Okay. Now, the next useful function is sort alpha, which takes an array and sorts it alphabetically. So this time we can use a range in conjunction with some pipelining. So we can say range.languages pipe sort alpha. And that will take the languages sort them alphabetically, and then pop them into the range. So then we will... And the range, again, you described it early on, but I don't know what it does. Loops across an array. So between range and end happens once for everything in the array, and the special variable dot is the current element of the array. Okay. So this time, so every time we go through the language, that curly curly dot gets replaced with English or French or whatever. Okay. And so before we piped it, they came out in the order the array was written in. After we pipe it into sort alpha, they come out in the alphabetic order. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So how do I sort? You just pipe it through sort alpha. It's magic. Nice. Our first language then is simply the one at the start of the array. So my first language is open curlies index space dot languages space zero. Ah, because the last argument is piped in. Okay. Well, there's no <laughs> piping here, right? It's just the index. First argument it, it, is the array. Second argument is which bit. Yeah. So at the after, if you've done that after the sort alpha, that would now be the first alphabetically. No, because the sort alpha doesn't change the array. No, no. But the sort alpha was just the output of sort alpha went into the range. And that's that. We did. There's no colon equals. There's no becomes equal to, right? Okay. You're just telling us different things. These no, are no, all, no, 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 no. I'm not we're saying not adding things. them up. To... No, no. In the range operator, we take languages, we pipe it through sort alpha, and we put it into the range. We didn't save it to a variable name. We just took this data, ran it through the sort function, and then looped over it. We didn't save it. There's no colon equals anywhere. Okay, so what I was just trying to say different is 
you're just teaching us that and now you're teaching us another thing we didn't we're not taking the output of that range thing and then using it in my first language is index.languages uh, space zero right right you've just told us a and you've told us b a didn't have anything to do with b right okay, okay. right yeah that I, was where i, I got i'm stuck. trying to imagine how i could have co- how they could be connected and i can't so i'm, a, I'm a bit... they aren't and that's where i was confused okay right. <laughs> okay okay um but actually right so that works right index.language is zero but it'd actually be easier to read if we use sprig's first function so my first language is dot languages pipe first. That does exactly the same hmm. thing, but is way easier to read code. Yeah. Okay. Right. So last thing, a randomly picked witticism in a banner, because that is exactly <laughs> the kind of thing I always put at the end of my plan. For real. So in whichever place you want your data, be it the data section of your Shamrock config or your dedicated data file, pop in a new array called witticisms with these three entries and save it. Wait, where do, where do we put this? Oh, uh, in the data config. Either okay. in the data section or in the standalone data file, your choice. Mm-hmm. So then we have our witticisms in an array. So then we can, using very similar logic to what we used before, the indent... There's another function we haven't come across yet called repeat that takes a character and repeats it. And then there's a function called wrap that we've already seen. So the actual template, I'm just going to read it out to you and then we'll break it down, is repeat 80 dash. That's going to print 80 dashes. So instead of me typing one, you know, instead of me counting the dashes, (laughs) I just say repeat 80 Uh, dash. Then we pipe, then we we do another, another action. Length of dot witticisms gets piped into random int zero, gets piped into index dot witticisms, gets piped into wrap 76, gets piped into indent two. So we take the length of our witticisms, we then make a random number between zero and that length, we then pull that element out of the array using the index function. We reflow it to be 76 characters long, which means four less than the full width. And then we indent by two. So that means we'll have two empty spaces at the start and at least two at the end. Okay. Right? That way it's... So that we have a a nice banner, indented, a nice banner. Out of all that, I was just sitting here waiting to find out why there were two left over. (laughs) That's because you needed the indented equal on each side. I know, yeah. So there you go. And then we put another 80 dashes. So then you're going to have your your witticism reflow to fit inside a nice pair of parallel bars. And every time right, you right. generate your plan, it'll be a different witticism from the random list. So at the end of the day, I put it all together and copied and pasted my entire template from my .plan file, uh, which you will find in the zip file as 2-final.plan.tmpl. And that, yeah, that is like basically that. a rather contrived example that uses everything we've learned. I like it. So that's kind of your, you know, your little default for what to play with in future. So we have now laid ourselves the world's most sturdy foundation. This, this, is, this is not a rickety foundation like I was almost tempted to lay. And I, I would have felt bad if I laid a, a shoddy foundation because... It would have come back to bite me when in the when we would have been recording and you would have been going, but why is it like this? And why is it like this? And I would have been like, because I said so. 
And <laughs> there is nothing makes me crankier as a student than to hear a teacher say, because I said so. And there's nothing makes mm-hmm. me feel more embarrassed as a teacher than to utter those words. It's like, they should not cross my lips. If they do, I have failed. So anyway, we are now ready to finally make Shema play its best jig on the fiddle and allow us to move our dot files from machine to machine where the 90% is the same we get for free. And with a small amount of work using templates, we get to go the last mile and handle the differences between our machines in an elegant and human-friendly way. And that's... Okay, that's that's the piece I've been really waiting for. How important is it that we have a functioning uh, uh, template file and and, uh, Shamaw config file? By the time we... We should probably Uh, have them working, right? The Shamaw config file we do need working, yes. You need to be able to do Shamaw apply and have it not crash, say. And Shamaw Okay, well, mine isn't crashing... I've I've managed to create the plan with your uh uh with what you had except you that information data. is not in my config file so now it's like you don't have any data for this what are you talking about you don't speak any languages <laughs> I knew that <laughs> So as long as I've got it those two things talking to each other correctly whether it's yours or mine I'm good Precisely. And to be honest, I don't I don't think we'll play with the plan file next time. I think we'll use our git config file as our working example. And maybe, and probably also our um, ZSH environment. Because they are actually the most likely things you're going to want. I hope that's working. Yeah, don't. As you recall last week, the audience doesn't know exactly how much trouble we had last week, uh, last time with that. That is true. I did a lot of editing. Really out of editing. <laughs> the second time of editing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to draw a line under it because there are some uh, baked strawberries and blackberries that have my name all over them. Yum. All righty. Well, this was fun, Bart. I liked it. It was a really good time. Excellent. Well, until next time, happy computing and keep enjoying your programming project. (laughs) Yay. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.